0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems.
1: And now, here are the doctors.
0: Well, John, there is
1: a lot going on in the world nowadays, isn't there? Yeah, the, the politics are, you know, rare in their head, tariffs.
0: Tariffs. College, football. college football college it football it's right in the middle there's a lot going on there i got i got an armadillo war going on my house yes i do too <laughs> i
1: had one i captured him and took him over to yours so.
0: did you oh, well he's there now he's still there i got got him on camera they're last hard night.
1: they're hard to catch they are tough. i have not he's caught mine yet
0: digging so. up my yard you know and so we got a little war going on me and him playing a little armadillo <laughs> steve game here but uh, i'm gonna get him eventually but right. man what a mess he's making and college but, uh, football
1: georgia uh, is going to probably speak Carolina. Speaking of a mess. Yeah, 25-point favorites. Uh, we play out on the road. You guys have Florida State. We have
0: Florida State. I'm um, hoping we can show up and do as well as the analysts are saying with 27 points, point, spread yeah. or something right, crazy right, right. like that. But, Florida,
1: uh, LSU, a lot of good games. Fall fall season, yeah. October Al- is fantastic.
0: Alabama, Texas A&M. Yeah. There's going to be some great games no tomorrow. Doubt. So, uh, no doubt. A lot going on in the world. Speaking of a lot going on, um, we have a lot going on with our show this morning. We're going to be talking about the seven soul security facts to boost your benefits these are kind of some lesser known things we're going to talk about how it's how the how the social security is calculated and mm-hmm. you know how much benefit you get out of that and uh, along with some other tidbits so- yeah it's interesting yeah, and then we're going to follow that up with uh, talking about college or retirement.
1: Yeah, parents have uh, always have a, a challenge, and they feel kind of obligated towards you know providing for the kids, obviously. That's one of the, the most uh, important things to parents is taking care of their kids, but you got to look at retirement as well. So which one has a higher priority, college for your kids or retirement? And We'll kind of dive into that and give you some answers.
0: Yeah, very important question. So you got to figure that out, so stay tuned for that. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marber, and I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ram smart Vester pro with over 24 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey smart Vester pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years.
0: And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, check out our website moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen directly from your computer or download them. Uh, from iTunes, a lot of different ways to listen to The Money Doctors. Also, the website has a lot of videos, uh, some tools out there as well. Um, go go check out the tools, retirement plans, some college information, uh, Facebook page as well that we post on uh, weekly, uh, a video every single week. So a lot, a lot of ways to connect with us.
0: And email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or link to us off the website. Um, we're gonna start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week,
1: yeah, this is a kind of depressing a little bit, but um, you know, I think everybody feels the pain on this, but the average annual cost for health care insurance for a family plan in twenty nineteen, Steve is over twenty thousand dollars yeah, it's I really mean, it's gotten a mess. out of
0: hand, it really has,
1: and for those folks that are fortunate enough that that have group insurance i mean the the employer is a paying about seventy percent of that, so about fourteen thousand of that twenty. And uh, the employee is paying the other piece of it. But ten years ago, back in twenty two thousand and nine, the average cost was about thirteen thousand. And so we've seen healthcare go up about fifty percent in ten years. And back then, the employer was paying more more of that premium. So more and more is being pushed towards the employee. And it's, you know, if you have group coverage, great. But if you don't have group coverage, it's very expensive twenty thousand dollars. I mean, that's it's,
0: crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a family. I, you know, I've seen them twenty five thousand. You know, um, for a private policy. Sure. So just depends on the size of your family. So it's. It it is prohibitively expensive nowadays and so the rate's gone up about twice the rate of inflation mm-hmm. over the past ten years. Seems unsustainable. You're seeing more and more people though kind of push off, you know, the typical health plan on their own and go to like MediShare, mm-hmm. certain sharing plans that are a lot cheaper. Yep. Um, you know, but you really have to I mean, those exclude pre existing conditions, so you really have to 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 find the right fit. Um of course, the health share market, the, the healthcare marketplace. Mm-hmm. It's another place to go. If you make less than one hundred twenty thousand, you for a family of five. I think I figured it out. Yeah, um, you qualify for a very significant stipend. Right. So you know, don't overlook that if you're if you're if you have you know if you make less than that that table that maximum amount on the table, which is about one hundred twenty thousand for a family of five. So. Um, you know, so anyway, you got to check that out cause it's really, really expensive for healthcare. That's kind yeah. of the bottom line. And here. that's one of the
1: big questions people have going into retirement before 65 is figuring out that, that answer. And you have to figure it out before you can retire cause it's such a large number.
0: Yeah. We address <laughs> that all the time with, with folks that are in that, in that, um, uh, that conundrum trying to figure out what to do about health care before age 65 when they qualify for Medicare. So good fact of the week. And that leads up here to our first topic. Um, speaking of retirement, we have the seven Social Security facts to boost your benefits. Mm, that's good. Um, it is. It's a good article at a, at, that is based on out of uh, Bankrate.com by Barbara uh, Wien. And, um, you know, John, I mean, have you ever wondered how uh, the the FICA tax information on your pay stub impacts your future retirement benefits? I mean, how it relates to it? Um, you know, FICA is a is a payroll tax that funds both social security and Medicare. Um, and the total of it amounts to about 7.65% contribution for the employee out of every paycheck, and the employer matches that and and pays another 7.65%. Um, and it gets deducted, you know, out of your first paycheck all the way up to the time you retire, you know, when you collect benefits. So, Yeah. It,
1: and, and your benefit, this is a pretty interesting, the calculation. Is, it's calculated as a percentage of your primary insurance amount, and that's adjusted for inflation. It's called the PIA. So at 67, most people will get 100% of your inflation-adjusted PIA, and uh, that's based on the average of your highest 35 years of inflation-adjusted earnings. So it goes back and looks at highest 35 years. And um, here's an interesting part. The PIA is calculated by adding 90%... Of the first eleven thousand roughly of earnings, and then taken thirty two percent on the next fifty four thousand of earnings, and then fifteen percent of anything above about sixty five thousand up to the wage base, so it's certainly weighted more towards the the lower earnings amount
0: yeah that's exactly right um and so what that means is that you know it's a great deal. Social security is a great deal for the first eleven thousand of income mm-hmm. um because that adds. Um, uh, you know, because if you add just a few years of part-time work, um, if you don't have 35 years of work history, it makes a significant difference to your to your PIA and to your your primary insurance amount that you actually get at age 67. Um, for folks that are, you know, under, I guess they're born between, you know, before 19, I guess after 1961, mm-hmm. I think is when yep. you get 67, something like that. Um And so anyway, that's because, you know, those highest 35 years, uh, about every two and a half, about two and a half percent of every dollar you earn on that first eleven thousand dollars is added to your Social Security benefit every year for life on that first eleven thousand dollars. So if you draw Social Security for 30 years, that could be an additional 75 percent of your pay um, that gets added for every dollar you make inside those those 35 years on that first $11,000 of income. Um, and that's a huge benefit because, again, you know, if you don't have 35 years, think about it. Um, every year you add, it gets calculated in that. And so on that first $11,000, you'd pay in about $1,364 in total between you and your employer towards Social Security. Mm-hmm. You would get back about $3,900 over your lifetime for that $1,364 you paid in. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. So like a three-to-one benefit, um, you know, for what you paid in. So it's a really good deal on those lower earnings years. So what that means is you want to avoid those zero years. Make sure you have 35 years of earnings. You know, even if you have to work part-time to get that, it'll be a significant boost to your Social Security, and it's a very good deal on that small amount of income. Um, so anyway, but th- that's one interesting fact. But here are here's another list of little known Social Security facts that kind of, um, you know, can make a difference to your retirement income when you get there. First one is there are, you know, a lot of options for how you claim your Social Security benefits. Um, of course, you can collect Social Security benefits starting at age 62 or any up to age 70. And those who collect early will get a smaller payout, of course, because they usually collect benefits over a longer period of time than those who wait. So it's generally advisable that you wait until at least you've reached full retirement age to start collecting Social Security because, you know, the monthly benefit is is just a lot higher. I mean, for example, if you were born in 1955, um, your full retirement age is 66 years and two months, and that would be the age you could collect 100% of your Social Security benefit. But if you started collecting at 62, you'd only get 74, about 74% of that monthly benefit. Um, if you delayed all the way up to age 65, you get 92%. And if you waited till full retirement age, <clears throat> it increases about 8% every year. And you can keep increasing that all the way up to age 70. Um, so the longer you wait, the more you get. And that's more important, I think, if you're married and you... You um you, your spouse is going to draw off of you or or if you have the higher benefit, then that means that, you know, when you pass away, your spouse will get the higher of the two or the survivor would. Um, but anyway, I mean, Social Security benefits. You know, you obviously get more if you wait, and that's just a very important consideration. So that's one fact.
1: Yeah, and and whether you wait or you take it early, it's really a gamble, right, either way. I mean, some people do advocate um, taking Social Security benefits at the first opportunity. Uh, Social Security doesn't see itself as an odds maker, but it does require you to bet on longevity. For example, the, the break-even point for someone who who earned the inflation-adjusted equivalent of about seventy grand a year for 35 years— The break-even age is about 80. Um, So if this person waits until 70 to claim Social Security and lives until at least age 90, they'll accumulate um, almost $162,000 more in benefits than if they had claimed, uh, you know, at age 62. But, you know, Steve, this is where this is a struggle. There's also a possibility of losing the bet and getting nothing if you wait to age 70. That's right. People do pass away before 70.
0: Yeah, that's right. So it is a gamble, no doubt about that. Um, also, you know, uh, you you need to think about it if you're if you're headed toward a divorce or you've been through a divorce. Um, you there is some implication to that for your Social Security. Um, so if you're not happy with your marriage and you're nine and a half years, you know, into it, you know, you <laughs> Wait, might want to hold off another six months yeah. <laughs> for a divorce. Why? Because you have to be married for ten years to stake a claim in your ex-spouse's Social Security benefits. So if you terminate a marriage you know before that 10 years is up you're not going to be eligible for that if you make it 10 years then you can collect social security benefits based on up to half of your spouse's um you know PIA um on the basis of your own earnings whichever is higher Um, so, you know, it's, it's a possibility. You definitely want to consider that, um, Mm -hmm. if you've been married before.
1: Yeah. Here's another little known fact is, uh, if an ex spouse dies, you may be able to receive benefits similar to a widow or widower. And so if you're at least, um, 60 and the marriage lasted for at least 10 years and you didn't remarry before the age of 60, you'll most likely be able to collect your late spouse's benefit. So how much you receive obviously depends on the ex-spouse's earnings. You've got to look at the Social Security uh, Administration's website. We encourage you to go in for an appointment. You can actually set an appointment with them, which is kind of nice, and uh, go in there and get some information on there. But age 60 is actually when you can collect it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's, um, that's very important. And also, though, for widows and widowers, uh, the benefits are more flexible. Um, and Social Security, they they really don't do a good job of explaining the difference between widows widowers benefits on their website. Um, but it and it doesn't really spell out the difference between spousal benefits and widows benefits. So you need to become familiar with this if you're in that situation. A widow or widower can start collecting Social Security benefits based on their own earnings record, and then they can later switch to their survivor benefits. Um, Or they can begin with survivor benefits and they can later switch back to their own uh, benefit based off their own earnings record, even if they're filing before full retirement age. So they are more flexible at that. And that's that can be a big advantage. Um, And you can't do that with a a spousal benefit anymore. You know, Um, there is an exception if you turn 62 before uh, January of 2016. Uh, then you were able to make that switch, but those rules have changed, so people retiring today you mm-hmm. know, don't have that option so in other words, a widow can begin drawing survivor benefits on their late on her late husband's uh social security whenever she is as young as sixty, but only at a reduced rate uh, about sixty percent I think of her benefit. And then um, she can choose, though, to leave her own Social Security loan, allowing it to grow in in value until she reaches age, even up to age 70. Um, so that's a pretty big benefit for widows and widowers. So you want to make sure you understand that if you're in that situation.
1: Yeah. Another recommendation here, Steve, is, um, you know, if you apply for Social Security disability insurance, your first step really should be to hire a lawyer or some other expert advisor. Um, it's a private firm that advises people how to get the uh, SSI uh, disability, and they, they say it doesn't make it clear on the application, um, you know, that you can have representation. And two-thirds of folks who file their own, um, you know, uh, app- application for the disability, they get denied. And uh, another site that can match you up with attorneys in your area is disabilitysecrets.com. Um, which is run by NOLO. It's, it's a law firm. Uh, but, you know, the Social Security disability, gosh, it, it takes sometimes um, years to, to get through that system, and a lot of people are denied even if you have a lawyer. So it's That's not right. easy.
0: That's right. It's not. So you definitely want to have an attorney if you're going to try to do that. Um, and the last kind of little known fact about Social Security is you can collect more if you have minor children. And as usual as unusual as that seems, we do occasionally run into people who are eligible for Social Security um, who have minor children. Um, you know, so and in fact I talked to one just last week. Um, so if you can draw benefit for your children um, you know, that are under age eighteen, you can do that in addition to your own benefit while you're drawing social security. So if you have a younger spouse or you've adopted children later in life, then, you know, this could be a significant added benefit. And it could be an impetus to retire early in order to collect Social Security on your minor children for a number of years. So if you're in this unusual situation, don't miss out on considering this significant benefit because mm. it is very significant. It only goes until he hit age 18. But um, another unusual fact about Social Security all right, and that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, this actually came from a, a client just met with uh, recently, and uh, unfortunately, mom passed away. Uh, but but he inherited, and uh, he and his wife are, are retired and inherited about one hundred fifty thousand dollars. And their question was, is what should I do with it? And they already had twenty in cash. They had one hundred seventy total. We just kind of walked it down. Um, you know, the mortgage was already paid off. The cars are in good shape. Um, Their emergency fund was 15. We took it up to 30, so we doubled it. So that's 15 use of it. Um, They wanted to give 20 to a a family member. Um, And so we just kind of walked it down and... At the end of the day, uh, fifteen was used for some home improvements. Okay, and so different buckets of money is kind of what we talk about. And then so they invested another one hundred and ten of it. So great, they kept sixty of it roughly for for personal things and some goals and so forth. And the rest of it they put it into a brokerage account. It's completely liquid and flexible. They just want to try to grow it a little bit more than cash. So
0: yeah, well that's that's great, and that's the kind of process you need to go through if you inherited money. Um, you know, you need to think about what are the best uses of that money best. Best uh, uh, places to put it to work for you, and sometimes it's paying down debt. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's building your emergency fund. Sometimes it's investing it um, for the future, for your retirement. Um, but very important decisions. You don't want to let that opportunity yeah. get away from you.
1: It's okay to go spend some of it. Of course. I mean, they yeah. they didn't necessarily want to do that. They're they're pretty comfortable with what they're doing. So, but uh, yeah, just the bucket approach. We like having different goals and kind of separating it. It makes it easy.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Good. Good uh, question of the week, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is college or retirement. What do you fund? Yeah, what do, what do you save for, John?
1: Yeah, well, I'll get to the answer, but I don't want to give you the because people may tune out if we that, give them the answer right up right. front. Right, we we'll have to save that. Go Paul, ahead. This is from uh, Paul Sandlansky. S- a um, writer out of uh, CNBC, and um, so yeah, see, this is uh, obviously a, a really good topic. We get this question quite often, and if you're a parent, there's no doubt that you want the best. Uh, for your kids. And a lot of times that means providing them an opportunity to go to college, um, but to attend the college they want and graduate without thousands of dollars of student loan debt is, is the question. And this really isn't about spoiling your kids. I mean, student loans present a, certainly a serious burden today. We see it. It's about a a $1.5 trillion of student loan debt. It's Mm. massive. And there's a lot of research out there showing how student loan debt is damaging Uh, a generation and it's forcing them to push back a lot of major life milestones like getting married, having a family, owning a home. So very serious question. And, um, you know, every situation is a little bit different, but we do have a recommendation coming out of this.
0: That's right. And so at the same time, you know, you have your own uh, financial realities to face. I mean, it becomes harder for many to feel like they can maintain a middle-class lifestyle and ultimately, We all have limited resources to to use to fund short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. So with competing priorities, it's natural for parents to wonder, should you save for college or save for retirement? So to decide, I mean, here are some of the things you need to consider.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, one of the big challenges is uh, college costs have continued to rise. Kind of like healthcare, we talked about, college has even grown more. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who's footing the bill for the you know, kids' college tuition. The fact is, is that college costs are rising exponentially. And uh, if you look back um, 20 years, going back to 1999, incomes have grown by 135%. We've seen a lot of growth over the last three years. Um, but that doesn't pale in comparison to the cost of college. The average cost has grown by 549 so, percent. Wow! So incomes have gone up 135 percent over 20 years, but the cost of college is just outstripping that by by five x. And uh, you know, a lot of parents feel um, that pushing this cost onto the kids, who will surely need to take out student loans to manage it, is is unfair. So some parents even think it's unethical. Are downright wrong to have student loans, and uh, we can certainly understand that, and uh, if you, gosh, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, um, Anthony O'Neill, who's one of the Ramsey personalities, just came out with a book that is titled um, Debt-Free Degree, and it shows how you can go through college without having any debt, and it takes a lot of planning and a lot of, you know, conversations, but uh, it's something that I think you certainly want to look at, but, you know, Here's here's the punchline here, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. Um so uh so you want to save for retirement, um but you know because parents need to pay themselves first. That's really the bottom line mm-hmm. here. Um yeah, a lot of parents do not like hearing this, you know. They feel like there's nothing more important uh than their children and to fund their own retirement means that they're going to they're being selfish and downright bad parents, right? Um, But the fact is that retirement, you know, has changed um, almost as much as the cost of college has risen. And, you know, pensions are gone. Social Security trust funds are shrinking, um, which puts the benefit payouts in danger down the road. And, of course, you won't have, you know, a pension if you're, you know, if you're younger, um, for sure. Most companies don't offer that. and. So only about half of employers today even offer anything, something like a 401k plan. So you're on the hook for funding your retirement. And at the same time, the cost of retirement are likely going to get higher than they've been in the past for people that are in the future.
1: Yeah, the other thing that's facing retirees is healthcare care costs. I mean, couples in their 60s should expect to spend over a quarter of a million dollars in healthcare care costs alone over the course of their retirements. And, you know, if you have a million dollar nest egg and, and you're pulling out 6% of that or 5,000 per month, um, you know, that's only going to last you about 16 years, roughly. depends on what the markets do, obviously, during that time frame. That's but, right. you know, you got health care that's in there as well. And, and really now more than ever, you know, your long-term financial health is, is up to you. And it's harder and harder to maintain that financial security and stability, but you must set the appropriate retirement savings goals and contribute to them during your working year. That is the highest priority. And and we'll go through some other reasons why that should be number one.
0: Yeah, it should. It doesn't mean you totally, you know, neglect college at all. Uh, You got to kind of do both. But but certainly, retirement should be the first priority. And if that means saving less or not at all for college, then you need to cut back on how much you put, you know, toward college savings. I know it sounds harsh, but you know, it, it uh but it needs to be realistic and that's what it is. So, you know, who else will fund your retirement if you don't, you know, of course nobody will. So you don't really want to be in a financial burden on your children in their adult lives as well. Um, and that's another factor.
1: Yeah, I mean if you think about the burden of parents who can't pay their own expenses um in their retirements probably gonna be would be more of a challenge to your kids than them choosing, you know, um, to minimize student loan debt today or taking out some student loan debt. So, you know, before we go any, any further, we got to look at, um, student loans certainly are, are tough for people. And one of the reasons is, is the amounts that they're retiring with. So, you know, $25,000 in student loan debt, but, um, coming out making 50 is a reasonable trade-off, a reasonable equation. The issue becomes when you get a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt, Made up of both, you know, undergrad and graduate, and you come out making thirty thousand. I mean, that's the real issue with student right. loans: is you're borrowing irresponsibly. I mean, that does not add up. Yeah, it, it never will. And so, if you need to cut back on on how much you save for your your college for your kids, you can still help them in a couple of different ways.
0: Yeah, that's right. You got to try to manage the cost of college, and you got to work hard at that. Um, and so, there's some things you can do here to. To help with that, one of those is choose a school based on its value, not just because it's a name brand university. So you want to make sure you're choosing a school that um, you know has the degree that 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 you're looking for, and is a good value for that degree, and is not just because it's just some some huge university that's popular. Um, explore all the options to cut cost as well. I mean, including starting at a community college mm-hmm. and transferring to a four year university um to complete your degree um you know finding paid internship jobs or part time jobs um also help you know co-oping if you're in engineering or something like that where you can kind of do a work study kind of a uh, kind of program like that um but evaluate you know what kinds of schools and associate degrees make sense in context of what you want to do after school um or what your kids want to do after school apply for scholarships and grants that can reduce the cost of college also i mean take out a reasonable amount of student loans to fill in the gaps but don't just go out and just you know just go out and blanket uh you know get all the student loans you can get to mm-hmm. pay for college um, because it's overwhelming. They offer too much money in student loans. Yes, yeah, they do. And, uh, and you can never get rid of that debt. You Bankruptcy does not get rid of student
1: loan debt. That's right. So if you go to our website, moneymd.net, we actually have a listing uh, or a link um, for uh, college degrees. It shows unemployment, underemployment, um, it also, uh, looks at, um, the, the degrees that typically have grad degrees associated with them. So you're making an educated decision going into it. doesn't mean you should choose your, your major based on the money associated with it, but you got to go in w- with your eyes open, right? Exactly. You got to know what you're getting into. So you got to remember that, um, that students can always borrow money for school, but there are no retirement loans. You get into retirement, people say they're going to work till 70. The statistics don't show that you either have health issues or you get laid off. That's right. Right. So you can't get a retirement loan. Um, so you got to pay yourself first and then see how you can help your kids pay for college. Again, Dave Ramsey has this, um, uh, the, the new book It's actually Anthony O'Neill. It's called debt free degree. And, uh, you know, it just came out on the 7th of October. So recently. And, um, so go check that out. And, um, if you have questions, certainly reach out to us. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Good topic. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of
1: the week. Yeah, this is a, a little a little nugget, and it's not an earth-shattering nugget, but it's it's interesting that you can actually fund your HSA with an IRA.
0: Yeah. So kind it's kind of a one time deal, isn't that's it?
1: That's right. It's called a QHFD, qualified HSA funding distribution. So basically what you have to be eligible for an HSA. So you're your medical plan has to be HSA compliant.
0: And we're talking about a health savings account health, here.
1: Health savings account. That's right. But you can move, if you um, you know, have a family, you can move $7,000 from your IRA account, traditional IRA, into your HSA. So basically what that's doing is it's taking money that's going to be taxed in the future and is putting it into the HSA, which will not be taxed. When you pull it out.
0: Yeah, if it's used for medical expenses, right, you know, it's totally tax free. Uh, That's what an HSA is all about. And, um, you know, both an IRA and the HSA are deductible on the front end. So, you're you're moving pre-tax money into the HSA so that's kind of a parallel move but the benefit is it'll come out tax free. So if you don't have another way of funding your HSA, yeah,
1: this would be a great way. I think
0: that's a good way to kickstart it.
1: Yeah, and it's a once in a lifetime, you can't do it every year. So one time, you know, there is no 10% early distribution penalty on the IRA either. So IRS says, "Hey, as long as it goes into the HSA, uh, there's no taxes, no penalties or anything." So it's a it's a good deal. It's a good move. If you can, um, if you can, if you have an IRA and your HSA um, uh, available, if you have that available and you can't fund it, this would be a way to fund it. But a better move would be to fund both. You know, yes, if you have if enough you money
0: and you can put the seven thousand in HSA, yep. then you get a tax deduction for that money too. Yes. So uh, you know, new money is always better money. Yeah, that's so. true. Just kind of moving money around doesn't necessarily. I mean, it might it benefits you some. But. Yeah,
1: it's not. This isn't a huge game changer, but it's right. just a it's a it's a financial fact.
0: Yeah, good good fact, no doubt about that. And, pre- and prescription. Good prescription of the week. Check that out. All right, when well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, MoneyMD.net, and email us your questions at info at MoneyMD.net, or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great
1: rest of the week. Have a good one.
0: This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Smart Investor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates,
1: a registered investment advisor.